Welcome to Game Over Montreal. I am Andrew Berkshire, as always. Well, maybe not always, because uh, upcoming in December here, if the NHL doesn't cancel games, one of the guests on the show tonight will be hosting a couple episodes. Plus, welcome in our guests, the great Julian McKenzie and Tony Ferrari. How's it going, boys? It goes. I can't believe I missed the Bachelorette finale for this. <laughs> that was a game. Hockey happened. For a bit. Kind of. There, you know what? A game like, was played. A game was played. It looked like it was going to be an all right game in the beginning of the first there. You know, the Canadians came out with some jam. They were making things happen. And then a dumb cursed goal happens where <laughs> Kapanen just like knocks a bouncing puck out of the air past Jake Allen. And it was like the usual Montreal Canadiens thing this season where it's just it took him like a period and a half. To kind of get their mojo back under their legs a little bit. And uh, that wasn't enough because the Pittsburgh Penguins are a damn good team. And they just tore them to shreds tonight. Uh, not even just even strength. They were just drawing penalties like crazy. Yeah. And the, the Canadians just uh, were happy to give them out. Right. And even on their own opportunities to get on the power play, they only had two. They had one pretty early on in the game and one near the end. And if memory serves, at least on the TSN graphic, it looked as if they only got one shot. We also need to talk a little bit more about the Sonny Milano influence because that's pretty much how uh, uh, Kapanen got that puck in, right? He just kind of batted it in. I mean, we've talked a lot about Trevor Zegers, but we're seeing a lot of guys using their dexterity to whack the puck in. I'm trying to find ways to not just say, hey, the Canadians suck tonight. But hey, you know, it was a very unlucky bounce uh, that went in. Also, I felt bad for Jeff Petrie in that moment. Uh, because he could remember if you remember, he tried to swipe that puck away, and then I think it goes off Evan Rodriguez before it goes off Kasperi Kapanen. Even when Jeff Petrie seemingly tries to do right this season, things just don't go his way. Like, I can't think of any other, like, like at first I thought, okay, like, dude is hurt, and I mean, he was away for some time, and now he's back. Dude is just snake bitten pretty much since the start of this year. You could really make an argument that since the second half of last season, remember that first half of the year is where a lot of that talk came uh, about him being a dark horse for the Norris trophy. And then after that, like he went cold offensively and then he picks up the injury in the playoffs and everything since then, it's just been a really, really tough time for Jeff Petrie. So this 2021 for him, man, like the first half was good. I'm sure he'll take some memories from the cup run, but like, there's a lot of bad in it, too. Yeah, it's yeah, been a I rough mean, ride for Petrie. When you look at that first goal, like it, it was hilarious to me because you see all the bouncing around. Like that, that was not a planned goal by any means. You, you almost could have no played way. the Benny, you could have played the Benny Hill music, just do 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 and just go with it. Cause man, that was a typical Habs goal against this year. Yeah. And I, I got to shout out to uh, John Tavares because I know we're giving. Sonny Milano and Trevor Zegers, all the credit for the the banging in goals. But whenever I think of a a, go, a guy like just banging in a, a loose puck up high or a bouncing puck, I think of John Tavares and the World Juniors. I don't oh, know yeah. if you guys remember, like yeah. way back in the day. God, it must have been like what two thousand seven, two thousand nine, two thousand nine. Yeah, that long ago? It was a while ago when he did that like one knee down, banging it in. And I think he like Bangs popped up, up the puck the first and then smacked it in. Amazing goal. Oh, yeah. Was, oh, uh, yeah. That was a pre-tournament game, or was that round round robin? I think it, I was, think it was round, round robin. robin. That was like that like set the table for that entire World Juniors. Like he was incredible that year. But uh oh, now yeah. sucks because he's a Toronto Maple Leaf. No, I'm just kidding. Uh <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, so the World Juniors are definitely something that we're gonna be talking about a lot because obviously we got a show coming up under the game over brand for the world juniors. Uh, game over international now obviously there's big plans with that brand as well unfortunately we've got this whole covid situation that might throw a wrench into a little bit of it but uh it looks like the world juniors are going to be a bit of a test case i for as far as i've seen they're still going to have fans at the arena so that'll be fun but uh things are changing quick with this new variant so 
who knows got a shout out in the chat here chanelli is on showing up to the stream so everyone loves her got a shout out chanelli uh, uh, uh. working for the yeah, seattle man. kraken he's amazing yeah, everyone should follow her on twitter um absolutely yeah so i was looking through this game and i'm trying to like dig out like some positive to talk about right because there's you got to have something in there like just give it something you know some sort of positive spin and i'm looking at this season and i wonder i don't think he had a very good game tonight but is there any bigger beneficiary from the way that this season has gone than alex romanov because the way I look at it, there's a lot of guys on here who are going to get lots of ice time down the stretch, like Cole Caulfield. You know, you're seeing uh, Jesse alone and get his cup of coffee, but there's no expectation of production for Alex Romanov, right? So he just gets to get reps consistently all throughout this season and be confident no matter how, like what goes on. And they're just like, yeah, if you want to go murder a guy, go murder a guy, <laughs> like try try to beat people up with your shoulders constantly. Like you can see him playing with confidence recently. I wonder if this is actually going to be a bit of a turning point in his development because they have nothing to play for and they can just let him be himself. Yeah. I think the big thing with Romanov is he, there's not really a risk of him going down to the AHL at this point. Cause why, why bother? I, I like there's benefit to maybe Caulfield going down eventually when everyone get, kind of gets healthy and whatnot. Cause you got to let him run and, and stuff and playing him lower in the lineup isn't going to help him. But Romanov, why not give him the minutes? Let him go crazy. And I mean, I, I still think he's kind of got the, the picture perfect moment for the Hab season when he went to hit Kale McCarr and, and nailed Ryan Paling at the same time. But like, let this guy go. Like, and, and that's what he's going to do. He's going to run over people. He's going to hit people. He's going to fire a ton of shots on net. And he's going to have up and down games kind of like he did tonight. Like there were a couple times where he looked a little rough defensively, but then there were a few times he made really, really good plays. So Romanov's a guy like let him run. I don't know if I agree that there isn't some sort of expectation of production for for Romanov. I think that uh, if with with the, the way that he's been playing as of late, where pretty much since that night he got scratched, uh, or at least not scratched, but like there was like that stretch on the West Coast where he had some pretty brutal games. He got left hanging out to dry against uh, the Anaheim Ducks. I feel like pretty much since then he's tried to pick up his game. But I, I, I still would like to see him, uh, I guess, if he can in any way, try to add some more points to, to the Canadians on, on the back end because we all know how bad the back end has been. And, and this team, ultimately, through their offense, like they need guys like Jeff Petrie and, and ultimately Alexander Romanov to step up from back there. And then in 29 games this, this year, Alexander Romanov has two goals and five assists it's pretty modest numbers but considering the fact he had six points in like 50 something odd games last year like yeah 54 games last year like that's that's not bad and even if it is just a small change upward like that's the progression that's that's fine so uh i i mean yes he gets the opportunity to kind of roam free and try to just kind of play loose and not have all those burdens of expectations for being on a team that's supposed to compete but for Romanov and the way that the Canadians have hyped him for as long as they did, even before he stepped onto the ice, like he has to at least show some improvement. And I think he's definitely showed some strides on that, but I think there's still some ways to go with him on that. But at least from a, from a statistical point of view, like he seems to be on the way of at least having a somewhat decent, decent season by his standards. Yeah, I guess my point with Romanov is like nobody expects him to be on the power play long term or be a 40 point guy or have a season with like 10 to 12 goals. Like that's just not his game. So he's a guy that you want to see improvements more in areas that don't necessarily show up in a score sheet. You want to see improvements in like his transition play, his defensive reads, like making the right play at the right time, because obviously oftentimes his decision making is not very good. So that's more of what I'm looking at with Romanov and playing with confidence and doing the things that he is good at and leaning into that a little bit. So like mm -hmm. to me, he could not get another point all season and it could still be a season where he develops a lot. Whereas a guy like on by contrast, Kale Clegg, he's a guy that the Canadians have made, I think a smart bet on, right? Because he's a guy who has some talent who didn't work out very well in LA, who has a lot of warts in his game. 
They're giving him some reps, giving him some power play time to work on his game. There were moments in this game where I thought he looked like downright dynamic. You know, like his skating is really good. His ability to walk the line is pretty interesting. So Clegg is a guy that you eventually want to see points start to come from in order to say like, okay, he's moving in the right direction. Whereas Romanov has a bit more leeway. It's always like that. I find for like less offensively talented players, you have more leash, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think when, with Romanov, I remember when he came in and everyone was hyping him up like crazy and, and people were talking about all oh, a couple years from now, he could, could be competing for a Norris. And I always thought that was crazy because the, the defenseman that I look at with him and I'm like, the defenseman you want him to turn into is Matthias Ekholm from Nashville. Get him to be that two-way guy that's just reliable and does a little bit of everything. He doesn't necessarily have one huge specialty, but he's a guy that you can rely on back there to eat up some minutes and, and do a bit of everything. So I'm looking for him to do that. But like, like you mentioned with Clegg, I think that the bet on him has been great. And you looked at him tonight. There was a couple of times offensively where he took the puck around the offensive zone. He was making some nice plays and making nice reads. And, and that's what I think you want from him. And especially late in the game where he got a little bit more ice time, let, let him kind of run, let him do his thing. And if he makes a mistake, don't harp on him for it because that's, that's his game. He's an offensive guy. Yeah, and I, I didn't see what the, the ice time was for Clegg at the end of it. I know after two periods, he had about seven minutes. So it's not like they were mm-hmm. giving him a ton. Uh, I, I'm a little bit disappointed with the way that they're kind of leaning really hard on the veterans. And I understand it to an extent with Ben Sherratt because you want to boost that trade value. But mm-hmm. I think it was uh, after the second period, Sherratt had played something like 18 minutes or something like that out of 40. And you're like, <laughs> you're not really trying to win these games, Dom. Like... Let's be honest here. I understand the veterans are going to want their minutes, but is it really going to hurt guys' feelings that much for Ben Sherratt to play like 22 minutes a game or 21 minutes a game instead of like the 28, 29 that we've been seeing lately? I want to see them lean into allowing the kids a little bit more breathing room. And I, I think that's the issue that I have with Ducharme right now, where I appreciate that he's putting Clegg on the power play and trying that out, but... Why is it Sherratt on the top power play unit right now? Where they have that rejig power play unit where you finally have Hoffman and Caulfield on their offsides. You know, like they can set each other up and they're like, but the guy at the top, the top of that diamond, that shooting formation, is a guy who can't make a pass. Like I have liked Ben Sherratt this season. I'm on record saying I think he's a better offensive defenseman than defensive defenseman. But that really comes from him forechecking and shooting, not necessarily his puck handling ability and on the power play for a defenseman puck handling and distributing is way more important than shooting absolutely um uh, yeah i i think with ben Sherratt getting all that time it's definitely just to kind of boost his trade value and just kind of let him be showcased i guess i i'm realizing now that the intricate debate of or interesting debate i should say of letting the younger guys play over veterans and you're thinking, okay, well, the Canes are not really trying to win those games. Like it's kind of tough, like being a player in that locker room where you've, you do, I mean, just in any locker room, you strive to be the best player you can be. And it's not in it for you to lose. Like you go to Ben Sherrod and all those other guys in the locker room, like after every win they have, they're trying to take those wins and generate momentum. They're not, talking to us at least, or they're not going themselves in the locker room being like, oh crap, we just kind of ruined our odds for Shane. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like we got to lose. <laughs> like it's so I, I, I think that yes, Dominic Ducharme, you know, if he's, if he's in a position where he can play some of the younger guys in some situations that are beneficial to them, one guy we're going to eventually get to, I'm sure. Yes. He like he got to do that with the line he was on getting a lot of time with Lohanto Dauphin and Jonathan Drouin. But for a lot of those veterans in the lineup who it's, it's still in them to try to win some of these games, I'm not necessarily saying uh, that, hey, the Canadians should really go out there and win some games. I, I mean, I'm not really saying anything on that, but I think it is a bit of a tricky thing to maneuver between putting some of those young guys in positions above some of the veterans because some of those guys have pride and they want to they want to play those minutes that they're necessarily that they're supposed to be playing as opposed to just being relegated to being third or fourth line guys for the sake of development, because that's not what some of those guys signed up for. Yeah. And I I get that. I think that's an entirely fair point of view, but at the same time, I think you could take all those guys aside and be like, listen, uh, we've won six out of 30 games (laughs) and you're getting those minutes. 
So it's not helping us win. You're not really doing anything. Yeah, you're you're not getting it done. And it's not necessarily on those guys either, right? It's a whole team effort. But like we gotta try something down the stretch. And yeah. if the Canadians went all in on playing the kids, are we hundred percent sure that they would lose more than eight out of ten games? <laughs> like it's it's not exactly uh, a situation where they're trying to preserve what they have. You know what I mean, like if we're doubling down on what they've done so far, it hasn't worked very well, unfortunately. I agree. But also like in the limited amount of time we've seen some of the kids play, like, I mean, Cole Caulfield, even in, in, in the way he's been deployed up in the lineup, he's not shooting the daylights out of everything. Right. It's not like he's playing like the times he like everyone's saying like, Oh man, like he's playing third, fourth, five minutes. It's not like in those minutes, he's been able to score so many points. Right. Uh, Ryan Paling probably has looked better at overall this season than than Cole Caulfield has. And I think that's a guy going forward who, considering how this season has been going, I don't think he has to worry about going back to the American Hockey League unless the team thought so much that they really need to find a way to tank and or they looked at what was going on in Laval and they said, you know what? Go down to Laval, being a beat, try to if the team's in a position where they could try to make a run at the playoffs or something, just be in some kind of winning environment. I still think there's some benefit to playing some kind of playoff hockey, even if it's in the American Hockey League, for for the Canadians' young players at this stage. So yeah, it's it's still just a really interesting debate. I, I mean, my my whole stance on this with with regards to guys playing in the NHL, AHL, or whatever with development, like as long as you're not yo-yoing the guys and kind of messing with their heads you should be fine but it, it in terms of their playing time on the ice like i'm realizing it's a bit more it's it's a bit more nuanced than just looking at dominic ducharme and just being like well hey why aren't you playing some of those young guys more minutes and a lot of it i realize is also situational too i keep going back to i think it was the colorado game or the chicago game one of those two games where yes Ulan and i know i'm gonna keep bringing him up a lot he played like seven minutes one game but he was on a power play wave with like a couple other young guys. And if the Canadians drew more penalties, there's a good chance he probably gets time. Cole Caulfield, I think in that Colorado game was on the third or fourth line. And people were wondering like, why was he playing so low? Because the Canadians drew uh, as many penalties as they did. He got like 16 minutes that night. There are opportunities for some of those young guys to play. Yeah. And I think tonight you look at their, their time ice time and and Cole Caulfield is up at 16 minutes. Yulin was uh, just over 14 uh you look through Romanov was up at 20 like the young guys played and, and I think that's a, that's a good thing like even Kale Clegg like you talked about it, he played just over seven minutes going into the third in the third period he played almost seven minutes alone he was just over 14 on the night so you give them the minutes when they're they're there but the, I think what uh Julian's saying is you don't force feed them the minutes either like you have to give them some area to earn those minutes but at the same time a guy like Cole Caulfield playing in the bottom six like tonight, I thought he looked really good on the on the line with Lekkinen and, and uh, Paling, but you got to play him with skilled players because if you're not playing with skilled players, you're not letting him kind of put himself in the best situation either. Yeah, I think he very clearly needs somebody like Lekkinen to dig around and get the puck, and yeah. he needs somebody to move the puck to him as well. I mean, I think uh, Caulfield has a lot of talent. I mean, I mentioned it during the during the game on Twitter. I've never seen a guy have the puck bounce over their blade as often as Cole Caulfield this season. And it didn't seem like it was an issue last year in the playoffs. So I don't know what's going on. If you change the flex on his stick, I had one person comment back to me, like maybe his flex is too low. So it just like everything whips around and it bounces off. I don't know if that's the case, but it's weird, man. Like it all comes back to like the fact that the Canadians are cursed this year. Like nothing's going right. Right. And I think Caulfield's been better of late than his like uh, scoring totals show. I think uh, the last like six or seven games, maybe even longer than that, he's actually been one of the Canadians' better play drivers. Uh, usually in the first two periods, and then he kind of falls off in the in the last bit there. But I, I'm not sure what the answer is with him because I think there's a good case to send him to the American Hockey League, but there's so many injuries right now that it also seems like it would be like a giant insult to him to send him to the American Hockey League. And I know that him and his crew were not too happy to be sent down to begin with, even though it was like clear that it was going to be short term. I think the biggest issue is they probably shouldn't have called him up. Well, I mean, oh, sorry, Tony, I'll let you no, go, go for it. Oh, no. I will, OK, fine. I'll let me get a listen. So, I mean, when you're kind of when you get that opportunity to kind of play at, at the top, right, like 
and you get sent down. Of course, nobody's going to be happy. And when you've played at the top the way Cole Caulfield has, where you end up being a star player, let's face it, during the postseason for this team, like, and then you get sent down, it's very humbling. So I completely understand why he would feel some type of way about it, and maybe his team too, I guess. Uh, yeah, but I, Cole Caulfield, I'll, I'll say this too, even in the first few games where he did not look so good and it ultimately led him to being sent down, I thought he still showed a lot of good things. And, and you mentioned the fact that his play driving was a factor. Like there was at least a moment, couple moments in a few of those first few games of the year. He's handling the puck. He's entering the zone. He's, he's, he's making def- some defenders look silly too. It was like one game. He tried to complete a pass from his stomach. Like he was still able to pull off some pretty sick plays, even though he wasn't uh, necessarily turning them into goals. It's just that there's that confidence issue. I, I think other teams have also realized that, uh, because of his size, there's there's some liberties they can take away with him. They can take away some space from him. That was the big thing with Cole Caulfield heading into the NHL. Everyone was wondering if he would be able to find the space on the ice to put himself in a position where he could score those goals, just like he was able to do at the American Hockey League level in the limited time he was there and in college as well. And I'm not sure if he's necessarily done that. And in the opportunities he's had them, uh, I don't know. I, I think he's just maybe I don't know if he's choking up on the stick or he's just just a mental thing but he's there is a lack of confidence with with Cole Caulfield right now but he is doing some good things and he's done them at different points of this season yeah I think this is a guy that you look at and you're like man he scored 72 with the, the national under to 18 team when he, in his draft year he, he's done everything at college like he's been one of the best players in, in the NCAA he went to the AHL and was really good there he had that playoff run and like Julian said you get sent down now and you're like, well, what, what do I have to do? Like, despite the fact that it was a few games that he, he kind of looked a little bit shaky in that confidence was shaken once he went down and then now he's come back up and it, it's still hit and miss at times. And I think as Julian mentioned, like the size is an issue with him still. And that was a question going into his draft year. That was a, the thing everyone said, either you loved Cole Caulfield or you hated him. And, and it was kind of either he's too small. And, and despite the fact that he's able to score, like he can, like he broke Austin Matthews record. Like despite he did the, the despite the fact that he did that, is the size going to be an issue? And we're starting to see it now. And I think this is one of those seasons where if you're going to leave him at the NHL level for the rest of the year, he has to really reflect on the season and go, all right, I have to get stronger. I have to watch my tape, figure out where I was getting taken advantage of, whether it was in the middle of the ice or whatnot, and find those pockets again because that's the big thing I'm noticing with him is in college and in, in in with the USHL team, he was able to find those pockets of space and, and get himself into those spots. I mean, I watched him score multiple goals from the goal line, like down in the corner. Like it's ridiculous. The shooting talent this kid has, he just hasn't been able to do it this year. And I mean, you've seen how many posts the Canadians hit today. I think he had one or two of them himself. It was ridiculous. It's they're just snake bitten this year. And, and I don't know if you want to leave him up or bring him down, but you got to make sure, make a decision and, and tell, explain to him that it's final for the year because you don't want to be yo-yoing him. We've seen that with the Canadians before, and it's just not good for development. No, Cole Caulfield not. is too important of a prospect for the Canadians to mess up. He yep. does one thing that the Canadians have been starved for for the better part of a decade, maybe even longer, and that's score goals. And that's probably a big reason why the Canadians rushed him into the lineup in the first place because of the fact that he's able to put the puck in the net the way that he can. And that's why the Canadians, it's imperative for them to ensure that his development, whether it's saying, you know what, we're going to just commit to you just staying in the National Hockey League for the rest of the year, or you know what, we need you to get your bearings under you in the American Hockey League. Just stick to a plan. Don't mess with his confidence and just kind of stick with that from there. Because if the Canadians find a way to mess up Cole Caulfield, man, I think of all the prospects they've had in the system over the last how many years, I think he would be genuinely the most frustrating for Habs fans, and that would be a straight indictment on their development process. Like I get, there are some guys who have come through the system who a lot of people can chalk it up to like maturity, uh, other mental stuff. I don't know if you guys saw some article from, remember Yuri Sekach? Remember when he yes. was brought over from Europe and he was interviewed, I think, as Jean de Montréal talking about how uh, he realized he was not mature. I, I can't speak to Cole Caulfield's maturity. But we can all speak to his talent. And I think this would be a situation, not saying the Canadians are doing this now, but if the Canadians mess this up, that's going to be a big strike on them, regardless of of whoever they bring in at this point under the uh, the Jeff Gordon regime. Yeah, it would be easily the biggest strike since like Galchenyuk, right? When you look at Galchenyuk's rookie year and the numbers that he was posting, 
and the complete drop off year over year after that. And I guess you could say Kokanami, but he seems like he's starting to work out a little bit in Carolina. So not all lost on that front. Uh, yeah, Caulfield, he's, he's too important. And the shooting talent is there. I do wonder if maybe going to the Stanley Cup final was the worst possible thing for Caulfield for like this immediate year. Like eventually it's going to be a help. But for this immediate year, he was outed way too young and way too early in his career as like a legitimate scoring threat. And if you watch those games at the beginning of the year, the fact that like guys were so on him, like he was checked hard from the drop of the first puck in the first game. Like everyone was all over him, leaving him no space whatsoever. They respect his shot, his ability to get loose. And I think that kind of broke him a little bit, like not forever, but short term, it snapped his confidence. Like maybe he can't get loose. Maybe in the NHL, maybe I'm not quick enough. Maybe I am too small to be able to find those pockets that I've found my whole life. And you see how it's affected him overall this year. I think he's going to find it, but it's not looking great for this season. Unfortunately, even though he is doing some good things, I wonder if maybe one thing that could help him is just focus on his playmaking, which is something that he did in the playoffs last year. What? And it created a lot for, for Nick Suzuki, especially when they were able to get into four-on-four four situations in the regular season last year as well. They had a lot of chemistry. Hasn't really translated this year. But I wonder if focusing on the playmaking instead of pushing himself as only a shooter is something that could help Caulfield. Or maybe I'm wrong, and maybe he should just shoot the puck every single time he gets it, and that's where he builds his confidence. I, I really don't have the answer for his situation. You know, like well, why not I don't both? know if anyone does. Why I mean, you both? can't do both. I mean, in some ways, yes and no. In the playoffs, I find that in 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 moments he was able to shoot the puck and he did well. You guys remember how Game Four of the second round ended for the Montreal Canadiens? Yes, Tyler Toffoli scored. You know why he scored? Cole Caulfield dug a puck out of the corner, carried it along the goal line, and fed it to Tyler Toffoli. He's able to create plays. One hundred percent. There's a way for him to do that. Like, I don't know. I, I think if you're the Canadiens, like trying to get him to emphasize that part of his game too. I think that's a great way for him to kind of gain his confidence. I think against the Predators the other – was it the Predators? It was the other night. He had a two-assist game uh, assisting, I think, on a Ben Chirac goal. And, I mean, they were like not necessarily the most creative assists, but I think just getting those stack totals up for Cole Caulfield, just any little thing should help his confidence. Absolutely. Speaking of confidence – uh, Jonathan Drum, we should shout him out because one of the Absolutely. few Canadians who really brought it today. And that's been the case a lot this season where Jonathan Drouin is like the only guy who shows up. I thought twice in this game, Drouin keyed the Canadians back into the game. And then in the third period, they were like, nah, never mind. Well, it was crazy because he had that really nice goal in, in front to respond. And you're like, okay, like this is the Canadians getting back in the game. And then at the end of the, the second period, he, he has that really nice assist to Yelonen on his first goal. And you're like, okay, like this, this is something they can build off. Like coaches always talk about the goal in the end of the, the very end of the period, last minute that can really swing momentum. And that, that felt like a moment where it was going to happen. And then the, the pens came out in the third period and score right away. And it was like, okay, well that momentum's completely gone. But I, I think Drew N's been, been the best player consistently for the Habs. And it, it's, it's gotta be frustrating for him because he's coming off such a, a, a season last year where he struggled with his mental health and everything. And he's come back this year and he's been completely fantastic. I, I've loved everything I've, I've seen from him for the most part. And he's obviously not a perfect player or anything, but man, like he's really driven the, the play for the Habs this year. And I, I don't know, man, like you, maybe you put him with Caulfield, maybe you try to create somewhere that way. Cause with Caulfield, you, you see him go and you, you don't know what he's going to do now because you don't know what you want him to do at this point. So I think you got to play with the lines a little bit, play with the combinations a little bit, but I think Druin's going to be the key factor going forward for them. Tony, I'll go one step further to, to your point here. Like it's one thing for him to feel frustrated off of what he went through last year, pretty much since Jonathan Druin has joined the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah. He has been a lightning rod for attention. So many people are going to look at that trade that happened with the Montreal Canadiens and the Tampa Bay lightning. And let's be real here. People are going to just, say the Tampa Bay Lightning won that trade. They got the better player. Mikhail Sergachev also has Stanley Cups to boot. The Canadians ended up getting the lesser player. And pretty much up until, and even even to parts of last season, he was a guy who was not fitting and living up to the expectations that were more or less unjustly set on him. They expected him to be 
the future number one center on this team. They looked at the skill that he had and he thought, oh, okay, in limited moments with the with the Tampa Bay Lightning, he looked pretty good. He should be a bonafide superstar on this team, not realizing that with the talent that's been accumulated in Tampa Bay, he's able to play like middle lineup minutes against lesser opposition and look really good. So you go through all that where your dog Don and and your 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 mentals are not in a great place and you're not really feeling it. You take the time away. You come back, you're energized. You score in that first game of the year against the Toronto Maple Leafs, a game you have to be up for. And the Canadians were up for. And then the rest of the year just goes bad. If I'm Jonathan Drouin, just this is just me personally. I'm mad as hell. I understand. I may have not played well throughout the entirety of my tenure with the Montreal Canadiens, but I'm playing well right now. And I'm trying my absolute best to get this team to win games. And nobody else is able to show up, whether it's the way the team is, whether it's the way the coaching, uh, the style that's been imparted onto the team, for whatever reason, I'm frustrated as hell. Like, I I want to do well. I want to be in a situation where I'm doing really well. And I want my teammates to, su- to succeed with me. But nothing's working despite all of my efforts. I would be frustrated, and that could be the that would for me if I was Jonathan Drouin, it would be the culmination of the entirety of my tenure with the Montreal Canadiens, which has just been nothing but frustrating. And a lot of just a lot of people have just been upset, whether it's media or fans. He's been a whipping boy for this franchise pretty much ever since he's been here. And this is the one year he could be like, hey, I'm actually playing well this year, or at least well enough. And it doesn't matter because everyone yeah. sucks and the Montreal Canadiens are it's not really going anywhere this year. It's it, it sucks for Jonathan Joy. I feel bad for him. It does. And what you brought up with like the first game where he scored the first goal. And I really expected when that happened that the team was just going to like run through a wall. You know, yeah. like the story of Jonathan Duran coming back scores the first goal of the season. I expected they were just going to railroad the rest of that game. And they just completely collapsed. And so it's been that over and over again for Duran in this season. Anytime that he has a fantastic game, it seems that the team just doesn't support him, you know, and it's unfortunate. Uh, I hope for more from him. It kind of brings me back to like what you mentioned, Tony, with maybe putting, I don't know, maybe it was Julian, putting Duran with uh, Caulfield and seeing what happens there. That was Tony. Was it Tony? Yeah. Okay. I was right the first time. Uh, You guys just look so similar, you know? I oh yeah, very clearly. I see it. I see. I totally see the resemblance. <laughs> actually, we both have like, mustaches. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Everyone's got a little bit of beard going. You know, we're all looking the same. Uh, yeah. So I've been seeing a lot of people talk about like uh, the Canadians don't want to, you know, put too many eggs in one basket because they've got so many injuries and all that, <laughs> and they're trying to balance the lineup a little bit. I wonder if that what makes eggs? any sense. <laughs> That's yeah, yeah, what eggs? What They've eggs? only got a couple eggs. What eggs you got going on? You only got a couple eggs, bro. Like you, you, if you are the kid walking from the store with the carton of 12 eggs and you trip on the ground and you break like six of them, how many eggs <laughs> you really have? You have six, maybe not yeah. even six. <laughs> Too much shot Canadians, anyway. Yeah, so basically, my point is why not load up the lines that are going to stick together going forward? Look at guys who are going to stick around with this franchise for the next few years. And I know that like you probably made promises to Mike Hoffman to get him to sign in Montreal. And you don't want to treat him like garbage because he's a guy who chose to come to Montreal. That's something that you have to value. And if you don't put him in a situation to have success, then he's going to talk to other guys around the league and it's going to be harder to sign guys. But Mike Hoffman on the first line, it just doesn't make any sense to me. He's not getting it done ride with lines at the top and give them lots of ice time guys who are going to stay around because let's face it mike hoffman's probably going to get traded at the deadline or the next deadline i know he signed for three years but i just don't see it sticking around here it just doesn't make any sense with what they're doing he didn't sign up to be part of a rebuild they kind of owe it to him to do something else i i just i'd like to see them try out something to get the best out of the guys that are going to be here for a long time and, you know, speaking of that, Jesse Elonen got his first NHL goal today. Uh, I saw a lot of people saying, like, you know, Jesse Elonen proving that he's an NHL player. And I'm kind of wondering, like, watching the Canadians play and watching Elonen, he looks good. Is he an NHLer or is he just one of the guys that's trying right now? I think he's a guy that's trying right now. 
I think you, you look at this team and, and the big thing I noticed, and I've, I've been watching a few Habs games in the lead up to this, so I can get a, a little bit of a baseline for this team. And man, like the big thing I come away with is there's so many players in this team that are just playing intimidated. They don't want the puck on their stick. They don't want to, they're not trying. I don't want to say they're not trying because it's just unfair to NHL players. Every NHL player is out there giving an effort, but they're just, they look intimidated. And, and when I'm watching draft prospects to relate to that, I look at certain guys, especially smaller players, and I, I'm a guy that's known to like the smaller players. But the big thing for me is, are you intimidated in those moments where you know you're a smaller player? And whether it's Cole Caulfield right now, who's kind of playing a little bit intimidated, or you look at just any other guy in this lineup outside of Drew N and some of the younger guys that are getting minutes like Paling and Yelena, and they're just intimidated. Like I think the, the epitome of it was Mike Hoffman today when he has five minutes in front of the net and he tries a spin move in a deke at the same time and just what was it he and gets- thinking? It was insane. It was insane. And it's like, man, like that's kind of what you've been getting with a lot of the guys on this team right now. Everyone's playing intimidated. No one has the confidence. And like, like you said, Andrew, like load up those top two lines with the guys that are going to be there with the guys that have skill, the guys that, that you can stack their skill sets on, put a guy like drew in with, with Caulfield to make those plays and, and to set up some stuff because those two guys can play together, put, put Caulfield with Suzuki. I know it didn't work early in the season a little bit, but you saw it work before. Try it again because their skill sets seem like they should match up. You got to give these guys time to, to mesh their skill sets because right now everyone's kind of looking like they're scared of the puck. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, when you lose as many games as you have and the, the way yep. they've lost them too, I think that's a huge reason why they look as intimidated or as sorry as they've been. I think another reason why we haven't seen, and I mean, Andrew definitely seen this too, why we haven't seen more of like Drouin playing with Caulfield I think Ducharme, back to Ducharme, like he's trying to find lines that work. And one line that actually worked for like the first chunk of this season was the Jonathan Drouin, Christian Dvorak, Josh Anderson line. Like and that was a line. fell apart though, hard. <laughs> oh, they, they did, absolutely. But like it went, at their best, they were playing pretty well. You know, Christian Dvorak, Andrew and I, we talk all the time about his underlying numbers. And, and you know more about the underlying numbers than I do. But you always make the point that like his number his numbers are not great. But when he's playing alongside Jonathan Drouin and he has Josh Anderson around, Josh Anderson around him, offense can be created. And he sometimes is able to, to cash in on a few of those opportunities. So I think one big reason why we haven't seen Drouin and Caulfield together as much is he's found success with other line mates. And I mean, I, that's another big plus for Jonathan Drouin this year. I mean, the line I just mentioned before, he he looked really great tonight with Laurent Dauphin. And, and Jesse Ulanen, like he, he's clearly a guy who's who's playing pretty well, almost no matter who's on his line. So he's been the straw. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's Charlie's it. Like, the drink. The drink. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm totally with you guys on 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 having uh, him play with Caulfield. It's just, I mean, at this point now with all the injuries that are there, if you really want something to work, maybe you have no choice. But early on in the year, when the Canes were truly still trying to find their way back into this thing. It, it, this was just a case of Dominic Ducharme just being like, hey, you know what? Like, this line actually works. This line actually gets goal scoring. Like, between the, the Drouin line with Dvorak and, and, and Anderson, I got to find a way to make this work if I'm Dominic Ducharme. Yeah, it was funny. Like, that line started out the season so strong, and then Drouin got injured, and Dvorak's defensive game just, like, completely got obliterated. I don't know what happened. Like, I'm going to have to, after this season is over, go back and watch tape and figure out what changed. Because he went from decent to like worst in the entire league at even strength. Jeez. Just like absolutely abysmal. And then Drouin came back. They reunited that line and it didn't really get any better. And then Ducharme flipped to Foley and Anderson. And that line yeah. for a few games was incredible at both ends of the ice. Toffoli insulated them defensively. He was able to join the rush, not as fast as Anderson, but Toffoli's a really no. smart player on the rush. And they were creating yeah. really, really well. Then Anderson got injured. Then Toffoli got injured. And it's like, even when they find success, fate takes it away. Just well, I, I mean, too banged up, man. Yeah. I mean, listen to all the names we're listing right now. And, and it's all guys that aren't playing right now. It's like it, Anderson, Dvorak, Toffoli. Like, none of them are in the lineup tonight. And it's because of injuries and, and just bad luck for the Habs this year. Uh, I, we've said it a few times, but this season really is cursed from the Habs. Like you, you look and you're like, well, how could things have gone wrong from being a cup contender? Well, you're missing Shea Weber. You're missing Carey Price. You're missing Brendan Gallagher. You're missing Anderson Toffoli. Like you just go down the list and you're like, well, who, who's on this team still? And you're like, Drew and, and Cal Clegg now. Like that, that's, that's your team. That's what's going to save the Canadians. 
Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, oh, I, I do man. like the Kale Clegg bet, like we talked about. Like, there's there's some things going on that are interesting. And I find I find it interesting that that was the first move, like, player personnel-wise, that Jeff Gorton made. Was a defenseman that I don't think Mark Bergevin would be interested in at all. A guy who's not very great defensively, but very skilled offensively. It, to me, shows a big departure from what they were looking at. And so that's interesting to me. I, I'm so interested to see where this team goes. I think there's a real opportunity here to do something special. And just some of the names that I hear circulating around who they're planning on bringing into the management group. And, you know, some people I've been told, like, don't mention me. <laughs> whoa, <laughs> like, I've, whoa, I've reached whoa, out whoa, to. Whoa, hold on. Are you, are you, are you, are you trying to be Chris Johnston all of a sudden? No, no not even close. No, I'm like <laughs> Chris Johnston's pinky fingernail that he clipped off. Welcome to the CJ, Sh- CJ show redux. <laughs> CJ show redux. Yeah, so I'm I'm interested to see because it seems like what Molson was talking about at that press conference, it wasn't all bull. They are actually reaching out to people from all walks of life. And that really interests interests me in what the Canadians could potentially build here. And they've got pieces. As bad as this season's gone for Cole Caulfield, he is a big piece moving forward. They've got some good prospects in the system, especially if they can sign some of the ones that are are good and maybe going somewhere else in college. They've got like Caden Gooley is going to be the captain of Team Canada for the World Juniors. I don't know what his NHL level like projection is. Maybe, Tony, you can fill us in on that. I'm always a little bit skeptical with the big defenseman drafted in the first round. But, yeah, Tony, tell us about Caden Gooley before we wrap up here tonight. Uh, is he actually good or is he just a big hitty guy? Uh, he was a big hitty guy in his draft year. And when, when they drafted him at 15, I was like, oh, what are you doing? Because I, I was one of the guys that wasn't super high on him. But admittedly, this year, he's he's taken so many steps and done exactly what I said he needed to do to get to earn that draft spot. And he's going to play for Team Canada. He's going to play a big role. I think the big thing with Caden Gooley is everyone looked at him and went, okay, this guy loves to throw hits. He loves to try to get in on the offense. But I don't think his offensive tool set was there, but he had the confidence to do it. And I look at him a lot in the same way I look at Romanov. Like He's a guy that I think can do a lot of that stuff. But the thing that I I think Canadians fans are going to love about Caden Gooley is he is an asshole. He is a he will he will not stop talking like there are so many times where like you're watching and now he plays for the Oil Kings, but you're watching him him play in in junior and, and at any level, even Team Canada. And he's talking over the broadcast and you can hear him chirping to the other bench. It's hilarious. Some of the stuff he says, and man, this kid's going to be a, a, a fan favorite for sure. in, in Montreal. And I think he's going to be a guy that can have that similar role to Romanov. You have two of those guys on toss them on separate pairings and two guys that you have to keep your head up around and then can move the puck and, and both of them skate really well. I think Caden Gooley is going to be a good prospect for the Montreal Canadiens. And I, if they rush him to the league next year, I think that's probably a mistake. He needs a year at the AHL level, but I think he's a player that's definitely worth like where he's been drafted now and, and prove me wrong. Certainly. There's like one play that happened in preseason with Caden Gooley that I keep thinking about. And I, and I keep wondering about his offensive upside as a result. I think it was against the senators. It's pretty early in the game. He's like at the blue line and he makes this stretch pass to, uh, I forget who gets that pass. And I'm just like, I didn't know Caden Gooley could do that. Yeah. Like I, I did not know that was in his game and you probably have studied him more than I have. And like, you could probably be like, Oh no, he had it. But like when I saw that, I think some of the fans in attendance too were like, Whoa, wait a minute. Like Caden Gooley could do that. Like, so I'm very curious. I, I, I know he's the big rugged guy. A lot of people have made the comparisons to Shea Weber. I'm really intrigued about the offensive. <laughs> Tony says no. I know a lot of people are going to be like, yeah, no, I, I get it. I, I, I'm not saying I'm making that comparison. I've seen people say they've made that comparison. Uh, but I'm intrigued with the offensive upside. And I'm asking this more because if you look at some of the more successful teams and the way that they look right now, you need defensemen who are going to be super offensively inclined. Colorado has a guy in Kale McCarr who should be competing for Norris trophies every single year, if not winning them. The New York Rangers already have a guy in Adam Fox with a Norris trophy. Uh, you can go on with the full list of guys who are able to do it year in, year out, because they have such amazing defensemen at back. And like, I wonder from an offensive standpoint, because I think Caden Gooley should be okay defensively, but from an offensive standpoint, where's Caden Gooley going to be and how can he help the Montreal Canadiens? I think the big thing with Caden Gooley offensively is the 
the thing I always criticize with him is he, he thought he was Kale McCarr at times. He, he wanted to try to make those moves at the blue line and, and dangle down and get involved low in the zone. And he wasn't really that guy. And I, I still don't think he's that guy, but he's the guy that can move the puck from the back end up the ice and make those stretch passes that you mentioned. I think that's where he really excels the, when he starts getting overconfident. And I think that's an area that he needs to work on is, is I rarely say a player needs to rein his confidence in, but that's a, this is a guy that I think does need to rein it in a little bit. He does and seem kind of, confident. And just understand what he is almost, right? Like, I think there's there's a level of of, of confidence that you get almost too confident. And, and that's something that Gooley does. And man, like, he's going to play a lot of minutes at the World Juniors this year. And he's going to be on display there for, for a lot of Montreal fans. But it's going to be one of those things where it rained it in a little bit because when he does what he knows or when he does what he's able to do, he's excellent at it. It's when he tries to get a little too fancy, a little too much. That's when I, I start to worry about his game. But this year he hasn't been doing that. So that's been a big step for him, I think. Yeah, I think what encourages me about Gooley is what I hear about his puck distribution abilities. Yeah. How he's added that to his game because that's such a big thing. Like I think the modern defensemen, like there are the rare guys who are like Adam Fox, like Kale McCarr. But for the most part, unless you find the diamond that is so rare or you draft like first overall in a year where one of those defensemen is there and very clear. It's tough to find those types of guys. It's the guys that don't necessarily score the goal, but they're the guys who create the play that the goal happens on, right? Not even necessarily the primary assist, but they're the ones facilitating the transition play up the ice that create the sequence that hap- that yeah. uh, creates the goal. And those are the guys that can just, haven't had for years now. They've just neglected that kind of player. And you've seen years where the Canadians just can't seem to score and they just struggle. And it happens because the forwards don't have anybody to get them the puck. So they're always, the forwards end up breaking the puck out of the zone themselves because the defenseman can't move the puck and then things are too slow. Or you have guys who can move the puck that like to reset a lot. You know, we talked about that with Jack Hahn recently on a on a episode of the show where like Jeff Petrie, great puck mover, but when he's not at his best, he resets a lot, which yes, he will ed- exit the zone cleanly, but the defense's opposite or the opposition's defense is set in the neutral zone by the time the breakout goes. So you're not catching anyone either. It's like safe on both ends, right? As opposed to a guy who can just fire the puck out or skate it out out of nowhere and create those rush plays. Uh before we go, I, I do want to ask you, Tony, about one other guy, if you uh, have any knowledge for us. Uh, I think it's Jonathan Raw, who was the, one of the last cuts from Team Canada. I've seen a lot of people talk about him this season as like going from a decent prospect to all of a sudden kind of incredible prospect. Fifth round pick from the Montreal Canadiens. What's the deal with this guy? I think the big thing with Joshua is Joshua. Joshua, Wasser. Joshua you're, Wasser. you're close. You're close. I was up okay. there. I, yeah, my I was prospect knowledge is garbage nowadays. Like I've been working too much in the NHL for so long. I got to get it better by the time the World Juniors roll around. I'm trying, but uh, it's no. He, it's a it's a slow process. No, he 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 did have a really really good camp. I think him and Connor Bedard together looked really really good, and he he had he played a big role in Connor Bedard making that team. To be completely honest, like he. The big thing with him was his skating was sloppy and he kind of stomped around the ice. He moved okay, but it was like, that doesn't look like you'll be dynamic enough as a skater to make it at the next level. And it's improved this year. There's still work to do, but it's improved this year. But he's got incredible hands. His his vision in the offensive zone is really, really good. And, and there was a play in the in the tra- the camp games with, with Bedard where jo- Josh Wall, I almost called him Jonathan Wall. Josh Wall. Sorry, I the got you. Zone. I ah, got it's you off sequence here. But he uh, he went to the offensive zone to forecheck and he pressured one guy. Puck went to the other side of the ice and he pressured that guy, forced a loose puck, grabbed the loose puck, passed it around the other defender coming over right to Bedard in the slot. Like his vision is incredible. So if he can kind of work on that skating just a little bit more, I think he's a really, really good prospect. And as a fifth round pick, like that was a pick that I I went, okay, in the fifth round, like, sure, like you, you bank on the skill and you work on the skating because as we've seen over the last few years, whether it's a guy going back to John Tavares or guys more recently, such as Timothy Lilligren or a number of prospects, the skating can be worked on. We've seen it happen. Like we've seen guys improve their stride. So work on the skating and get to the next level. And, and he's not going to be a guy that they're going to rush. Let him play at the AHL level for as long as he needs to before bringing him up because the skill in this guy is really, really intriguing. And he is a guy that really tries hard on the forecheck. He's not the guy that's a, a skill guy that's just going to try to dance around the offensive zone. He'll go in there and try to 
pressure you. He's not going to throw a big hit, but he's going to apply the pressure and, and steal that puck from you and then make a play. Excellent. He, that's like the kind of guy that under the previous administration you would be hopeful about, and then they just lag and don't get out there. So hopefully the Canadians' new administration is a little bit better at development and can hire a skating coach to uh, get Joshua Waugh all the way to the peak of what he can be. Um, we're going to wrap it up, but before we do, uh, first Tony and then Julian. Julian, it'll be very fun for you to tell everyone where they can find your work <laughs> on this stream. But yeah, tell us where we're at. <laughs> tell everyone where they can find you. <laughs> all right, you can find 90% of my work at the Hockey News and Sports Illustrated. That's where I do all my draft and, and stuff like that. And uh, there'll be a ton of World Junior stuff coming out, so watch over that stuff. Perfect. Thanks, Tony. Julian? Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> brand new episode of the Chris Johnston show is out. Uh, you'll be happy to know, well, or not really happy to know, but uh, the episode we did was recorded hours before all of the COVID hullabaloo uh, hit the fan. So we do touch off on the Olympics, uh, but uh, not nearly as dire as we probably would have if we had handled it, but it's still very much an episode you should listen to. We touch off on the Vancouver Canucks as well. And that's on Udobin. Uh, Zone Time with Yahoo Sports, a brand new episode of that coming uh, tomorrow. Uh, also coming later this week, a brand new episode of the Hockey Inside Out show, uh, the Montreal Canadian show I do every week with the uh, Montreal Gazette. Uh, one of the panelists uh, who is supposed to be on this week's episode, you might know very well, it's Andrew Berkshire, uh, going to be joining us. Oh, oh, I know. Pretty wild. Pretty wild. We're going to be like on each other's shows over the next few weeks. It's going to be a little bit weird. And uh, I have some plans for uh, my final plus minus columns of the year for The Athletic. I have to mention the primary employer because uh, they like it when I mention them. So uh, please subscribe to The Athletic if you haven't already done so. You can listen to the Chris Johnston show there as well. And uh, yeah, I think that's everything. All two million jobs I have. And before I end the stream, I should also plug the merch store for SDPN because I forgot to in the middle of the show, which I'm supposed to do. And if you like a hat that's labeled as a hat, you can go there and buy Julian's hat. Or you could buy a sticker with Julian's face on it and stick it on your laptop or your wall or your car. Who knows? Anywhere. You could buy cool Game Over merchandise like this mug with delicious water in it. Or you could watch the show or listen to the show. There's all sorts of stuff you could do on the SDPN app as well. It's awesome. So check it out. And we'll see you again on Thursday where the Canadians take on the Philadelphia Flyers. And I think they should probably rest Jake Allen for that one because he's starting to look a little bit tired. All right. Thanks, everyone, for watching. And uh, we'll see you.